Welcome to the Square Apple Show. Hi, I'm Dr. Yongshin Ning. I'm the co-founder of Change Voyage Consulting. After 20 years of corporate life, I successfully transited to be an entrepreneur. Wearing multiple hats as an entrepreneur, adjunct lecturer, mother, wife, daughter, sister, has taught me how to navigate life's challenges. And my secret is the Square Apple. In this show, I will discuss tips and strategies to change the way you think about your personal and professional life. Because if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. Ready to activate the square apple in you? Let's begin! Hi, I'm Shining. Welcome to the Square Apple Show. Today, I'm going to share about how the giver and the receiver of a piece of work can have different perception of its value and why it's important to be aware of the differences. So whether you're working for someone, working for yourself, or simply involved in delivering some form of value to others, this podcast is for you. Back in 2000, when I started out as an analyst in a management consulting company, I was paid $3,400 Sing dollars. To me, that wasn't that, that was a lot of money because my last drawn salary before I left as a tax consultant was $2,700. What I didn't know was how much the client was being charged for my services. Typically, only managers and senior managers who are responsible for billing and structuring deals would know. Many years later, when I became a senior manager, I found out that we charge around $1,000 per day for fresh consulting analysts. Somehow that knowledge had a huge impact on my expectation of what my team and I delivered to the client. $1,000 to us as commoners is really a lot of money. So from then onwards, when the analysts on my team gave me a bad piece of work, like the logic doesn't flow, no clarity of thought, no depth of thinking, a lot of typo errors, my response to them would always be, does this look like a $1,000 piece of work? For an analyst who earns maybe 4000 at that time, I think the message got across. If they had $1,000, would they pay for such a piece of work? The aha moment for me from the above story is to think about value not from my lens, but from the lens of the receiver. Why is this insight important? It's important for a few reasons. Firstly, it drives alignment in expectation of the deliverable. If the receiver expects $100 service or product and the giver only puts in $50 worth of effort, then there will be a huge customer dissatisfaction. Conversely, if the receiver only expects $50 but the giver gives $100, you will have a very happy customer. But in the long run, you will be leaving money on the table. Secondly, thinking about value from the lens of the recipient also allows you to be focused on what you as the giver is supposed to deliver. If there is a misunderstanding, then you will likely miss the mark in delivering what the recipient expects of you. Let me illustrate each point with a story. I recently hired a fresh graduate. She was a student that I had previously taught and then she worked for me as a teaching assistant in all my classes. She's such a gem. I would call her a star analyst. 
She seeks to understand the intent of the instruction and she asks very on-point questions that shows that she has a good grasp of the issue at hand. She is very meticulous in the work she does and she can be depended upon to deliver quality work in a very short time. I can almost find no flaws with her. When she joined us, we were at a period where she, we had to deliver many training courses and due to the COVID situation, all these training have to be moved online. So a lot of prep work needed to be done to repurpose the content and also to create instructions for the learner so that they don't get lost navigating between the materials. She supported the logistics very nicely. Everyone knew where to get their templates, where was the surveys and where were the updated course materials. She also responded readily with our last-minute request of generating reports when the courses was in progress. After the course, I had a call with her to talk about the wrap-up work and what we needed to do, and I thanked her for all her help. And she said, I haven't done anything compared to what you and Stacy did. My contribution is nothing. I was a little taken aback about what she said because her perspective is so far from how I felt. The fact that the entire course was like a non-event was entirely her credit. How is it possible she doesn't know? So I said, do you know how much the course would cost if I personally rolled up my sleeves to prepare the Google Doc templates, set up the survey, prepare the instruction sheets, fix the reports? This course will be extremely expensive, but I'll not be delivering value to the customer because these logistics stuff is distracting me from working on the content. So by doing such a great job to set things up, you have saved me a lot of time, which I can devote elsewhere. This is your value add. However, the expectations of your value add is not static. As you grow in a company, the expectation is that you would be able to take on some of the training delivery work because You've seen us do it so many times and psychology is your area of expertise. So this incident reminded me that the perception of value is not absolute. In this case, the giver over-delivered significantly but yet did not realise it. In the business world, it would result in us leaving money on the table because the buyer would have been willing to pay more than what the seller would charge. The second story is where the giver did not clearly understand what is the value they are expected to deliver. Some aspects of the story has been altered to protect the identity of the parties involved. A few years ago, there was a team of students that I managed to help a client solve their business problem. Not long after the client brief, I got a call from them and they told me they would like to submit a proposal to the client to solve their marketing problem. I was taken aback because the client signed up with us to investigate which target segment they should pursue for their new product. I never heard them say they had a marketing problem. When I asked the team how did they come to the conclusion, they said that it was because they went into the website of the client and they were confused about how to access the information for that product. Therefore, they concluded that the client had a marketing problem. After hearing their analysis, I asked them if university students are their target audience to which they said no. Then I asked them how can they conclude that the target audience seeks information about the product in the same way as them. If they feel confused, it doesn't mean that other people will necessarily be confused. I then asked them what they perceive was their value add to the consulting project in their capacity as undergraduates 
who had limited exposure to the business world. Could it be to solve the problem based on the collective experience of three people who had zero knowledge or understanding of how the client's business was done? Why would the client who had been running the company for many years believe that students of such a profile would be in the capacity of solving the business problem? Or could it be that the client wanted to work with an institute of higher learning so that they can leverage on the students to apply methodologies and framework to deliver an evidence-based piece of solution through well-executed primary and secondary research? The team got the message. The next iteration of the proposal that I saw showed that they understood where their value would lie. Of course, the undergraduates cannot be faulted too much because it was their first time that they undertook such a project. However, if they critically ask themselves what value are they expected to deliver, they would probably have taken a different course of action. It wouldn't be to solve a business problem using their common sense, which the client could likely have done it themselves. Although these are stories of young people who do not yet understand the relative nature of value perception, I believe it applies to people with more years of working experience like myself. In the work that we deliver externally to clients or internally to our internal stakeholders, we should always consider what is our expected value add to the piece of work. If the receiving party isn't clear, I think we should be clear as the giving party. Specifically, we should be asking questions like, what is the unique skills that we bring to the table? What is the intended outcome? Can somebody else do it better than us at a cheaper rate? Does what we are doing add any value to the outcome? What is the outcome? To whom are we delivering the outcome? Asking these questions are important because the answer drives us to action. If you realise you are not value-adding, then you should maybe do more, change your area of focus, or get somebody else who can do it at a cheaper, better, faster than you. Are you clear of what value you bring to the table? Are you the best? I hope you have enjoyed this episode. If you have questions or thoughts on this episode, please connect with me on LinkedIn at bit.ly forward slash squareapple. That's bit.ly forward slash s-q-u-a-r-e-a-p-p-l-e. Thank you and see you soon. Thank you for joining me today. I'm very honoured to have you here. If you would like to keep going and want to know more about the number one Southeast Asia's leading female entrepreneurship network, head over to Soul Rich Woman at S-O-U-L-R-I-C-H-W-O-M-A-N.com and download the free ebook on how to get clients and multiply your income through personal branding. Remember, if you change the way you look at things, the things you look at will change. Do subscribe to The Square Apple Show and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Bye for now.